Welcome to Honest Talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships. Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host, Rob McPhillips. Um, so tonight we're talking about the power of alignment. Um, and in the breakout rooms, we've been discussing where what area of life feels most out of line for you. Um, and I think alignment is something that we're constantly in and out of alignment. Um, and being in alignment in one area probably pushes you out in another. And it's a case of constantly being um, back to um, getting back to alignment. Um, so the title is the, the power of alignment. Um, okay. So, uh, does anyone want to share where feels out of alignment for them at the moment or anything that came up in discussions? I think there was, um, if, if it's all right, I'll, I'll go first. I think, um, you know, we felt that there was, it's interesting that you say that that alignment in one area of your life can push out alignment in another um, because two people had two different views which probably are somewhat related, which is, you know, the alignment with friendships and friends and the alignment of, you know, lovers and, uh, and you know, romantic relationships. And the question really was, is like, you know, are those related? Uh, um, you know, because I probably feel that there seems to be um, a misalignment in both of those. You know, there's uh, certainly a case where you find that um, your friendships you know, that you've had have changed. And because they change, we, we're evolving people. Um, so somebody who you're friends with 10, 20 years ago, you can sometimes not even recognize and the same goes for you know people you've been in a relationship with you kind of find that in life's journey you've lost that connection and without being able to maintain that connection you've lost the the possibility of alignment that you would have had with those people yeah yeah i think i think that's true um i'm going to talk about that a little bit in a minute um, but yeah, I, I, I think there's a reason why, um, one gets pushed out. Um, and I think the, the key to alignment is really, is about being able to realign yourself. Um, and some, sometimes you can't, you know, sometimes you do change as a person and, um, it no longer works together. Um, Okay, thank you for that, Julian. Anyone else? We were talking about um, the impact of one thing on other aspects of your life and trying to figure out which one it is that actually would make the biggest shift because there, there's more than one thing that you could look at as you know, sort of creating this imbalance, but which actually is at the root of it that might impact on the others, you know, that sort of domino effect. And we both thought that um, if you are 
can be secure in your financial arrangements, which, whatever they may be. Yeah, for example, in my case, it's resolving di divorce and, you know, all of the things that come with that property and so forth and having that resolved that would have a, a knock-on effect in several areas you, and and so that to, to both of us is would be the the thing that would probably have the biggest impact the other things um because even if you and got into a relationship it, that on its own doesn't fix the other things, if you know what I mean. Whereas um, having that, for me, for example, resolving that would also mean that I am officially, technically um, separated and that husband is no longer my husband, I'm technically on my own. So two things would happen. At the same time, which means that then um, I would be freer in any relationship that I would embark on in the sense of um, not having the, you know, to always be explaining why I am in a halfway house. <laughs> I think that's what you would call me. You know, I'm neither fish nor fowl. Right. So that's what I'm referring to when I say... Um, one thing sort of has a domino effect on other parts. Yeah. Yeah. And for Shireen, Shireen was pretty much, yeah, being financially secure would answer a lot of things as well. As a, as a general question, um, how uh, was there much agreement over what we meant by being in alignment? Is that quite clear or... Um, I thought afterwards I hadn't really spelled that out and I wondered if it was clear to everyone. That was one of the, the things that we, that was brought up in, in the breakout. Um, my definition of that would be that alignment is where you're in align with your highest goals or your version of yourself or what you're working towards. So, for example, you know, if um, you're a vegetarian and you start dating a burger muncher, it's probably out of alignment. Or, um, you know, if you're saving, but then you see, uh, you know, a brand new pair of shoes for £200 and you have to have them, that's going out of alignment. So I don't know uh, if that's what you meant, but to me when I feel out of alignment, this means, hold on, I'm not heading in the right direction and I'm not going towards my goals. Okay. Thank you. That was a very good explanation. Um, has anyone, did anyone have a different view of what alignment is? Yeah, that's very interesting what I'm hearing from Carl because then it, it makes sense actually. So I wasn't really looking at that. I didn't even think like that. I just looked at alignment in the physical sense that I can see that I don't have friends around me and I'm not feeling nice about it. And so for me, that's what I regarded as uh, realignment. Uh, is it alignment, realignment? But really the, the, the true sense of the word would be more, more profound, isn't it? More deeper, is it? Um, <laughs> that, that's a good question. Um, Anyone else have a different view? Because I'm going to share in a moment um, the way I see it, but I'm interested in people's perceptions of alignment. 
for me, I think it's about kind of knowing where I want to be with something and not quite being there yet. Um, either working on it or not knowing where to start <laughs> to get up together. Yeah. In a nutshell, for me, it's a, a sense of imbalance. What we more like clarity, you know, we need to know what we need to know. Yeah. Okay. Um, I did have a different view. It yeah. was, um, I kind of feel like we're always in alignment, but it just depends which direction you want it to go. So you could be aligned, say, if you've got like negative thoughts or whatever, and then you, you could be aligned to go that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like a direction, as Carl kind of mentioned. Um, but I do think it could be in a negative without the purpose of it being on a negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I think that's very true. I think um, you're always aligned with something, but it's what are you aligned mm. with? Yeah, which direction? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So, so really, I see alignment as being um, the key determinant of your life, um, how you feel how successful you'll be in whatever you're doing. Um, and it's really the key to relationships. Um, so it's interesting. So Carl's talked about like a, a vertical alignment as in all, all of the things that you're going for working together, which um, also is, I think, kind of what Sandra was, and Janos um, we're talking about, and then Shireen's added to that, that it could be in this kind of direction. So there's, um, I've got, there's really more, but there's, I've got about six different areas of alignment. Um, so I think, first of all, the first one is, um, I'd put under the, the, um, category of being spiritual. Um, and I, by this, I don't mean in a sense of being religious or even being particularly uh, overtly spiritual, but I mean that you have to have some context that if life is a game, you've got to have some context of what are the rules you're playing by. Um, and so that means like it's just really an answer to the big questions of why are we here? What are we doing? Um, because when we – so it's like the evangelist preacher who preaches fire and brimstone and then after his sermon goes off to the brothel and um, in his own eyes sins, he's, he's totally misaligned with what he's um, um, really uh, professing. Um, it's also in spiritual cults where you get someone, um, I'm thinking about, uh, it was like Sai Baba and lots of people like that, that were seen to be really enlightened and yet were later an Osho um, and were later found to be um, doing things that were completely out of line with what they preached. So um, so the first one is, is alignment spiritual. Um, as in your sense of what is life about, how are we doing this? Um, the second one is with truth. And by truth, I mean um, uh, Alfred 
if I can pronounce his name, Kubiski, um, said uh, he, he wrote um, quite a deep, um, not a lecture, what would you call it, academic paper on um, the map is not the territory. Uh, and in it, he talks about that any represent a map is a representation of the of the territory. It has to be reductionist because if it's exactly the same, it's just the same as the territory, and it's no use to us. A map is a shorthand way of of knowing where we are geographically, where we need to go. But every map becomes outdated, um, and our map of the world becomes outdated, and so. When we're, how, like, whatever we do either works or it doesn't. Um, and so whether it works or it doesn't is really about how aligned, how true, how aligned what we're doing is with the actual territory. But often we have our own story of what's going to work and we become so deluded with that that we're out of alignment with the reality of the marketplace of the people we're working with or whatever. Um, and so that jarring um, misalignment is what creates frustration, um, failure. So the next one is the self. So most of the things that we struggle with, we first have um, that frustration in ourselves. Um, so like how many people are dating, but conflicted about dating? Like, Oh, I don't really want to, oh, don't really like this. Um, and so if you look at most of the biggest challenges that we have health, um, as in looking after our health, not eating right, or, um, exercising regularly, um, money, um, like if our goals is to save and, and not spend, um, all of those kind of things, um, being motivated, uh, not procrastinating, um, getting ourselves to do whatever it is that we really want to do. All of that stuff is really where we are out of alignment with ourselves, because all of us have like an angel and a devil and we have the different motivations we want to do this and we want to do this um and we feel um like being stressed is is having too much to do or having some um trying to do more than we can and it's that stretching of we only have so much we only have so much attention we only have so much time so much energy um okay so that's where uh misalignment in the self. Um, and then we're looking at romantic relationships. So I think as well as having the alignment internally as being true to ourselves, as really following what we want to do, there's also, when you look at um, alignment in terms of relationships, it's about really being on the same wavelength. So I think the illusion of love is that we merge into this one, like I'm visualizing it as a circle. Each of us is a circle of what we want and what we feel and that. And the illusion is that two become one um, and they both want exactly the same things and they both agree on everything and they both 
um, feel the same about everything and they never argue. Well, that would actually kill a relationship because it would be stale. Because what what do you have to benefit from someone who thinks exactly like you, looks exactly like you at the world, who wants, who agrees with everything you say? Um, there's no life coming into it. So really what it's about is it's like two circles, but there's some overlap. The overlap is the shared vision for the relationship. But the 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 parts that don't have overlap are where your independent life are and where you bring something different, where you bring some level of conflict to each other. And the key is being on the same wavelength. You know, like you have different like infrared and whatever uh, levels of sound or sight or whatever. And we can only see within a spectrum. So I think the wavelength is someone needs to be in our kind of line so that we can relate to them. Someone who's too far away, we can't relate to, we can't respect, we can't, um, we're not able to work together. So for me, the key to a relationship is finding out if you're on the same wavelength. It's finding out if you have the ability to relate to each other and the ability to, um, and, your um, your goals will be helped by like aligning with this person and theirs with by aligning with yours so that you work together. Essentially, it's so that you're pulling in the same direction. So you you have your independent life, you have your shared life, but everything that you do is aligned with what's going to help the other person. So if we talk about the other model, like for those that have seen the scene, scene, uh, scene safe, supported, satisfied model, really the, the alignment is about is what you do in the, the, um, what's the part that's dependent and independent. Is that helping the other persons and vice versa? So, um, does that make sense? Um, so the other one I have is work. So it's in terms of does your um, like does your career really work with everything you value? So someone who so let's use the example of a, of a vegan uh, vegan activist at the weekend who works in a meat packing um, factory. Like clearly they're misaligned. Um, someone who is super into their health but works for a tobacco. Um, company or um, a pharmaceutical company and they're really into natural um, like natural nutrition and so on Um, so it's is the purpose aligned that you can be excited about it motivated about it is the culture one that works with you Um, and again then it's about can you be on the same wavelength with the people that you work with. So um, can you be excited about the purpose about uh, um, of the organisation? Um, and can what you do help them? And in them reaching their goals, does that help you? Uh, Carl? Uh, I experienced something like this. So um, there was a small apartment that was 
less, I would say, a maximum of 90 seconds walk to the beach. And uh, I could just bathe in the ocean whenever I felt like it and walk along. Oh, and I could also watch a sunset pretty much every day. It was fantastic. And I only had a certain amount of money that I could stay there. And they built a McDonald's two minutes away. And I could have had a job there. And I could have lived that life on my days off, <laughs> you know, for forevermore. But I just, I just, no, <laughs> I couldn't do it because I was into healthy living and fruits and vegetables and really valued that, how it made me feel. And also I'd learned about how um, heated fats actually and free radicals and it can be a, quite a dangerous environment. So I knew and had all this knowledge and... <sighs> I would still be there now if I didn't. So <laughs> I literally had that choice between, uh, you know, culture and life and what was in alignment and what wasn't. And I could have easily got a job there because as a native English speaker. So. so I think really what we're looking to do um, in life, if we look at, if we look at uh, problems that we have in life, we have to look at where we're out of alignment. Um, and so it, it's, it's really the case of, um, as Julian was, as we were talking about with Julian, about you get out of alignment and it's the ability to realign. Um, Shireen. Thanks. Um, I was just wondering, alignment kind of sounds like values as well. So where would you separate your values versus alignment? Um, I think values are, uh, so values are, really the unconscious unconscious principles that drive what you do um because you okay so life is really lots of different data points and we make those data points of our experience and if you look at every bit of those data point is like a lego brick we make a model of those data points which are like the, the sum of all of our experiences, all the part, different parts of the experience. So like if, if, any, if, if we all went on um, and we all experienced something and we all had to go and write about it and we all had to present it back. Um, and if we did it all independently, we'd probably have um, lots of different viewpoints and people will talk about different elements of it and that's because different data points would be more relevant to different people based on their their past experiences so um what we make of life is really like us putting together all those data points in a narrative so i look at it as like lego bricks of building a model um and the value our values are the way that are really the way that we slant the story that we tell of life so someone who really values friendship um, and being a good friend will tell the story in terms of being a good friend of how they were a good friend um, someone who really values material success um, so if you look at politics, really, you could look at Donald Trump and Donald Trump will talk about material success. Um, I think I, I don't follow politics that much, but I think Barack Obama would talk more about um, like 
more about uh, a sense of purpose and working together, that kind of thing. Um, but do you, do you get the idea that different people will talk about different things because it's what they value? So the values are really how we make the, mega, the Lego bricks up. So like if our values are, so let's say, um, use the example of Lego, right? You can make houses. So let's say a little baby Donald Trump would make houses. Um, uh, Lewis Hamilton would probably make cars with the Lego um, um, because it's, it's kind of what they're interested in. So values slant the way that we see the world. Th that means like good, bad. The things that are in line with our values are good. The things that are out of line with our values are bad. Um, so alignment is really about doing things like get that are in line. Um, it's hard to say it without saying in line or aligned. Um, but does that make sense? Am I making sense so far? Um, I'm just wondering, would you need your values to be in alignment <laughs> so that you can be aligned? I know it's, it's kind of hard to yeah. say alignment without saying aligned, but um, do the yes. two go together is kind of what I'm really looking at. Yeah. Um, okay. So I went a long way around about it, but uh, really what it is, is you need to look at what you really value and the things that you really value has to be aligned with what you do, has to be aligned with the story that you tell. And so if they're out of alignment, then you need to like pull apart the model and then rebuild it in a way that is aligned. And that's what you do in a relationship or anything. It's um, where we talked about the map is not the territory. The story that we tell is not the reality that there is. And so when we're out of alignment, it's about picking apart the story that we're telling to get closer to the territory so that our map is closer to the territory and our map is aligned with our values. So we're looking at equilibrium then. Um, okay, so the 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 thing. Um, so going back to so going back to what um, Julian talked about about when you get aligned with one area of life, the other becomes out, um, misaligned. Because what's happened is in getting a lot in alignment with. So let's say that you you get into a new relationship, um, and so you've aligned and you've built this story. Um, and you've built the story about what the relationship is going to be. And, and yeah, we've got these shared values. And, and some of that might not be true, but some of it is how you've put together in the excitement of, of the situation. And then you go out and you go back and, and with your friends. Now you've changed. Your map has changed, which means that you're going to change in how you relate to everything else. So, now you've got out of alignment with your friends. Um, and so it's really looking like pulling apart the model and um, seeing, can you put it back together in a way that you realign or has your alignment um, mean that like in every time that you pull apart the model and you re re rebuild it that's an evolution in your operating system and how you how you work um and so sometimes that 
shift is too good that it is too great that you can't then relate to the friends because you're in different places you're on different wavelengths so it's about understanding like can you pull apart the model and build something better that in, encompasses that so that you're um in in alignment more so when you pull apart when you pull apart the model what you're really doing is blowing it up so rather than being this you're getting bigger so that you're in alignment with more and more um and so then um so e equilibrium um so there's always a state of uh yeah equilibrium and there's always a state of getting, coming out of alignment um is it equilibrium equilibrium is kind of balance isn't it i don't know is it is is equilibrium i'm not sure um, if you're in alignment though you 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 would be balanced yeah but but um as you so like what people do they get in a relationship and then and they put a lot into that relationship which takes away from somewhere else um and so then to get re yeah homeostasis to 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 um to realign with that other area means some of the things like okay so you can get into a relationship get be really excited and emotional about it and so you maybe take away from your friends you maybe take away from work um um from doing the things that you really like and so then yeah so that that i think that's where it becomes out of equilibrium and then eventually that um that uh like yeah, that, that balance yeah, that, that lack of balance. Yeah. Because uh, when thing when there's conflict in the relationship, then you feel resentful because you've given up all of this. Um, so it's about um, having that and then recognizing where was I just too excited that didn't like was out was misaligned with me, but it was um, excitement at at trying to. Um, trying to grasp this so there's a thing that there's always something in front of us um and i think i think this relates to something i think it was nicole said something about the um alignment in the beginning um which was about it's always out in front of us or, or, or that's how i visualized it that there's always something for us to strive for um but um, I remember listening to uh, Seth Godin was talking, I'm not sure if he's one of his books or a podcast or something, and he talked about um, juggling um, is actually quite uh, easy to learn, but where people don't learn it is because they're juggling and they're trying to catch every ball. Um, and the real art of juggling is throwing them up and letting them fall. Um, because what happens is when we're stretching to get, one we fall out and then we so then we we become misaligned um and so it's about letting it go wrong at first um and in the same way when we're stretching for a relationship we let other things drop because rather than juggling and letting things drop so so really if a relationship is going to work it's because you could get on the same wavelength and be aligned so that you could relate to each other but what people do is they stretch to make a relationship work and so they don't find out until three years five years that it's not going to work 
So it's about the alignment of staying in equilibrium um, and will that still work? Letting it, letting the balls drop if they don't work. Um, Feel that oh. it's the lesson, no? Sorry? Feel that it's the lesson. Yeah. That's how you learn. That's how you can observe like a scientist. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not even that it's that... Um, it's that you want a lot of them to fail because you want to get straight to the, to can the wavelength, can you be on the wavelength? Um, and the worst thing that people do is they try and make it work by trying, they change who they are, which we talked about before to make the relationship work. Then the relationship breaks when they, when they fit back. So yeah, it's about, um, you can align with anything at a conceptual level. So um, you can like um, read something and completely disagree with it, but align. Like I could understand um, Donald Trump from his motivations. It doesn't mean that I ever want to be aligned with him. I can understand um, if you look back at Hitler, I can understand um, his story and how Germany went for it. Um, but that doesn't mean that I agree with it. Um, and so I think it's useful to be able to align conceptually by like expanding your um, ability to understand others, but keeping the, the wavelength of what's right for you to communicate and work with um, on a more narrow band. I feel a little bit out of alignment with this conversation at the moment. So one, I think there's been so many analogies, which is great from different perspectives, but let, let me use one that was used before, which is um, we were talking about being in a relationship going on autopilot by driving, which is very easy to do. Whereas it, it's, it's a more ef effective model. If like a pilot, you're constantly adjusting. So bring it back to this topic, which would be, as a pilot, you are getting to a destination, you have a place in mind, and then you are aligned. You're not going in a straight line necessarily, but even if you would look at it on a map, there's an end point, but you can take detours in different ways. And sometimes we like the scenic route, sometimes not. We need to get there quickly and it needs to get done. But the point is, is that there is a fixed point, a destination, something that you want to get to or some value you hold and I would say it was as simple as that. And I, I don't know if it's much more complex, but I appreciate that there has been different ways of looking at it too. Um, yeah, for me, that's the master um, analogy of the pilot of going off. The thing I would say that the, the fixed point has to be, um, has to be, something um not something concrete but something like a feeling or a value because what i think where people go so wrong is they make the fixed point the relationship they make the fixed point the relationship with certain person um and that's where they knock out of, of um, alignment so if we're talking on um relationships um love could be uh the the value love could be the destination um feeling um supported and understood and 
um, loved within uh, a loving relationship um, could be it. But when it's something more concrete, more specific, it's like I think people can sell their souls for I want to be a millionaire or I want to make a fortune. Um, If that's the true north, um, there's lots of ways you can go wrong um, and be completely out of alignment. I'm interested in a point you made earlier when you were talking about the Lego blocks, the deconstruction um, from time to time to bring yourself back into alignment. In other words, there's constant change. There is, as we evolve, and it's sometimes we actually throw something out, a block out, or, you know, um, or we realign them we put them in a different pattern we put them into different shapes um something that was not a priority becomes a priority now um and some things might get left behind now um does that mean that and we may add new things we may add new bricks as part of all that you know, that change. Maybe we want to go from a VW to a, a Mercedes-Benz or something. Um, but in that process of change, if you are in a relationship and you are the one who is doing all of that and the other party is um, static, that in itself, to my mind, brings about its own misalignment. You may be improving your self-alignment, but the relationship becomes more disjointed. It's out of sync even more because of your evolution and, and, and shift. Yeah. Um, yes, which means that you shift out of, if someone's not... Um, someone's not on that same kind of journey, they're not going to add to to your your being able to reach your goals. Um, And there's going to be too much of a stretch. Um, And sometimes people get resentful that, like I'm the one doing all the work in the relationship. Well, um, I think it's really you're doing it for you because whether you stay with them or not, um, it's you that's going to, the model that you have, the closer your model is uh, to the territory and the, the, to go back to one of the other analogies, to the, um, the, the, uh, the, the closer it is to the territory, the happier you're going to be um, alone or with the person. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think sooner or later, um, in that kind of dynamic, the relationship's going to die. Um, and it would even if you didn't do that. It's just, um, and that is where I think it's about really being in alignment. Um, can you relate and can you work together to get what you both want? And if it's quite clear, if you can relate that well, you know where someone else is going to want to head. Um, and if they're not heading there, um, then you know they're really pulling you one way and you're pulling the other. Um, And so the definition of the partnership that's going to work is when you're both pulling in the same direction because otherwise you're carrying a passenger.
when you said all this, it's actually triggered on me something. And that's basically, it's coming back to David Hawkins. It's about the force. Quite often, we force our thoughts, our word for other person, rather than just simply invite it and show a little bit and let the other person after open. Don't force it to open. Don't force it to do all that. Just open yourself and they will do as well. Because that means appreciation. It's a little bit to show and let enjoy the journey. Be experienced that. I think that's what we all looking. But instead, we watching always the outcome, the end results, because we want instant gratifications. And there will be failing because never will be us in our dream. That's just only ideal world. Nobody will be in the ideal world, just only yourself. Yeah, I think in- inspiration is so much more powerful than control. Control kills people and relationships. Um, inspiration is the way that they're inspired to grow. Yeah, but I, I sort of, looking at Alex's question and following on from that, I would liken it to music. So, for example, you know, if, you, if you've got a certain feeling for a rhythm and you know how good it is, go with that. But other people are trying to say, oh, no, 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 just dance to everything. And it's like, it's horrible. <laughs> it's like trying to dance to steps or something or, uh, I don't know, Justin Bieber. It's like... I don't know. I feel I feel horrible when I have, you know, I will leave the dance floor rather than go on with that. So I, I don't know about necessarily going with the flow. The point is, is that when that flow actually goes through you and you know what's good, that's the direction to head. Um, but I, I, yeah, I don't know that I could just kind of, if I'm using the same analogy, just stay on the dance floor for things that just, uh, yeah, are not helping that flow. I, I think... Um Go on, sorry, Sandra. Oh, sorry, 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 Rob. I was just going to add on to that, that um, sometimes I think we choose to ignore clues, at, even from the very beginning, when you meet someone, when you have the least amount of damage to your sense of self and your emotions, um, if you were to cauterize whatever it is that was happening and just remove yourself. Um uh, and maybe one of the things that we don't do is actually um, stop and analyze the things that confront us. Many of us, I think, we still think that oh, it can't be that bad. Maybe it was just X and Y, it's temporary. It will change. Or maybe I, you know, the usual stuff, I can change him or I can change her, depending Um as we go along and, you know, we can, we can resolve it. And sometimes those things, we see them and we know that we can't cope with them, but we still persevere. I think we're wasting a lot of energy when we do that sometimes. And so the misalignment is there from the very beginning. It's not something that arrives, you know, down the line. We actually start with that as a disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's... Um I think the problems in a relationship are there at the beginning. Um, but like you say, it's, uh, 
it's it's about um, I'm looking back to the question. Um, it's about being honest. I think there's three ways that we um, get out of alignment, and that is um, dogma, as in we follow someone else's story, which where the map isn't true. From emotional bias because we so much want it to work we're so attracted to this person we we think they have three out of the five key things so we we will persevere and um and ignorance of what we don't know um and uh so um in carl's um analogy and i won't change the analogy um on the dance floor i think you dance to the music that um, inspires you um, and in such a way that it inspires other people to want to join you. Um, and I think you shouldn't dance to steps. Not everyone shouldn't dance to steps, but I think Carl definitely shouldn't dance to steps um, because, and also that like, whatever you do in a relationship sometimes people do things they don't really want to do um but what that means is that you you it's a lesser version of you doing that um oh, that that is harsh because what about harmony do you know what i mean it's like i've got a group of friends and they want to go to a certain pub next friday and um i feel like wearing a hazmat suit but I know that we're not going to go there every Friday, you know, or every week. It's just keeping people happy, allowing people their space and to do a little thing. And then when, you know, swings and roundabouts turn around, then, you know, we'll, we'll go somewhere that has a, a low risk of um, mortality. So I don't know. It's about necessarily. No, I'm going to listen to what you said because there might be truth in it, but it, it doesn't seem intuitive. But, you know, we like, we like to please each other, don't we? You know, it's part of Yeah, um, but it's about what your values are and um, you can you can do things that aren't, like, you can go, okay, I'm going to go to the pub because it, it's really because there's a higher value, isn't it? There's a higher value of friendship to um, not liking the pub is, is a relatively minor it's a relatively minor thing, but um, um, what I really mean is something that's really out of your, um, really out of out of alignment with your values. But people will do that to make someone happy, and and that's what I'm saying. It becomes a lesser version of yourself. Whereas I'm sure you can still go to that pub and still be the same charming, funny Carl that. <laughs> we know and love uh, dogma, ignorance, and emotions, emotional bias. I believe it's a little bit goes back to that map and everything. It's not about to looking that much the map, rather than listen your inner GPS, your soul, your your institution. You know, you know somewhere somehow inside what's going on. But sometimes when we are too much in our head. We just can't listen what our heart are telling because there is no silence inside. You can't feel it. You don't know which way you're going. You're just all the time listening to your head. And what your head does is just all the time questioning you. 
is there to help you to make the strategy, but not to making that hard decisions. I believe so. Yeah, there's. Um, I think there's more intelligence in instincts um, and knowing um, than in thinking, um, because th th we're there's. We're primarily animals, um, and so animals work from instincts. The instincts have been honed over hundreds of thousands of years. Um, the problem, the, the nuance or the distinction is not doing things that feel good in the moment because like that's what a drug addict does or hedonist does. So it's um, it's really about flow. Um, Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi's concept of being in flow. Um, and when we're in that is when we can stop the thinking um, and we operate from flow. Um, Veronique? Yes, I, I was saying sometimes I find it a bit difficult to know when I'm in my alignment or how to get to it. Um, I mean, so listening to some of the conversations, one point that came up is if I have an adverse feeling to something, I know I, I need to have a kind of a good feeling in myself. So that makes me feel that more or less I'm in, I'm in balance or in alignment. But then sometimes if, if I have quite an adverse feeling, then I'm thinking maybe I'm in resistance. So then I, I kind of look at this. Or sometimes I have some really good moments once a day at least. And the following day, I'm wondering, oh, that did, I, I, you know, my mind comes in after that. And, and I'm very confused because my mind is telling me, no, it's not, it's not like, <laughs> like what Janus talks about, yeah. a lot of the mind. So it's, it's very difficult. I mean, for me, it's like this. And also, I, I, I don't really have a destiny. I don't have a point because it looks like um, I'm being taken places and and sometimes I, I want to be in control and I develop some some kind of strategies to get into control but after quite soon after that I, I tend to let go of it so I'm thinking well if it's not really sticking to me then it must be that it's not you know the kind of thing for me so so I get very confused not very but sometimes about about these kind of things I don't know how to handle it I tend to not know, and then it's not too bad. Life is not too bad. Um, I, I, um, I think, so when I look, my North Star is that everyone should be happy, everyone should feel love, um, and everyone should have some sense of meaning um, and sense, sense of success that their life's been successful. Um, so I think that is open to everyone. I think by the fact of being human, that um, that's what we can all achieve. Um, so everything else is about how do we get to that? And the reason that we don't get to that is because Okay, so I, I think every person is like a computer. 
they come in with a certain level of hard, hard um, hardware, which determines their limits of the height they're going to be, the potential for this, potential for that. Um, then it's about their cultural, like the dogma of the culture of everything you've been taught from, and the culture is like initially your family, your community, um, your whatever culture you've grown up in the wider culture. And then it's your experiences and how you've reacted to those experiences. So if we're not happy, if we're not feeling love, if we're not feeling like what we're doing is meaningful, we're not feeling a success as we are, then there's something wrong in the story that we've made. And it's about undoing all those Lego bricks and making a better story. Um, because I, I don't think you necessarily need anything else objectively. I think you just need to put the story together so that you, who you are, uh, and the results that you're getting out in the world are making you um, aligned with those feelings. So that was a really critical point, and it just moved so quickly. Um, and that was that that there is a flow and that our thinking interferes with it. And I've heard this in various places, but I just wanted to kind of just go back to that juncture in case anybody else missed it. And I really can look at my life at times when I allowed myself to be open, not, um, what's the word? Um, not divulge. Um, uh, it's like splurge into thought, like, thought is very seductive but we don't have to think all the time it becomes autonomous and actually that just being in in a state of being that's maybe why when we see waterfalls we have a day at the beach or we're faced with a beautiful vista it feels so good because we just stop for a second and we're witnessing we're not processing or calculating the next step so yeah just to kind of breathe on that for a second for me is really important that allowing that flow and not thinking that you can change and rule the world just with your thoughts and yeah mm. um i appreciate you you pausing on that um because i i often i'm not as present um when i'm doing other things on multitasking i can't um and then i often listen back um like when i'm cutting parts out and i listen back and think oh there's so much more to go into that um but didn't have the presence at the, at the time as it came up, or, or sometimes I don't even hear it. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's really the danger of overthinking. I think that the pure experience of life is without thought, um, and so it, it's like um, I don't. I think you can't. If you strive for happiness, you can't be happy because happiness is the result of living your life well. If you strive for love, you can't, uh, you won't feel love because in the striving for it, um, these are the end states that you reach when everything is in alignment. Um, Janos. No, Carlos, say that, and you say the flow as well. Two things came to my mind. One is called control, equal force. So goes back again to David Goggins. When you try to force everything, when you try to control why the life is doesn't go in the way, you're actually just creating more self-hurt. You're hurting yourself 
You do nothing else, just hurting yourself. You're daydreaming, you're idealizing the world, and you're saying, why not happening how I want it? Because, well, it's the life like that. You can't control it. We just, as the human, we try it. And we force it every single time. So now coming back to the Navi seal, what I learned from them, it's called a flow state. They think one meter control zone. I only can control what is in one meter radius. That's me, my behavior, my thoughts. The rest, forget about. And that's when you are actually present. That's when you are in a flow state. You make decisions like that. And you're actually enjoying the moment because you're not overthinking. You're not trying to control the moment. You just go with it. And that's if you seal the, see the most powerful Navi SEAL teams are how successful because they are there for each other. They are present most of the times. And it's not because they are strong. No. They are there every single time. It's a commitment. It's like a family. They're living with each other. They're doing everything for each other. Hmm. I, I remember reading, I can't remember where, but um, maybe David Goggins or, or someone like that's book, um, where the people who like pass through the special training, I, I don't know which type particularly, um, but they they can tell the ones who pass through the ones who rely on strength um and like natural skill um are the ones who don't make it um it's the ones that have the strength of attitude um because everything in the training is going to point out where the flaws are where and it will take you past your point of breaking and it's the mental strength or the attitude or being in alignment with it um, that makes you less breakable um, and I think that that is true in relationships that relationships are you could analogize them is another analogy Carl um, but you could say a marriage is really um, like a Navy SEALs training program because what that does is challenge every aspect of you and it will break you down. Um, and it, it's really to see how much, when everything's gone, like is your will, your ability to work together and whatever strong enough, like the ability to um, to survive. And a relationship or a marriage, like that kind of long-term relationship, is really that test. Can, because what life is going to do is life is going to, like finance is going to go up and down. Health is going to go up and down. Um, how work is going is going to go up and down. Your emotions are going to go up and down. Um, and so all of these are going to challenge the strength of the partnership. And if you're on different wavelengths, that's why relationships break. Um, so there was, there was something else. Uh, yeah. And I just wanted to, um, highlight that we tend to rely on our intelligence. We tend to rely on what we know. Um, and yet there is some, um, 
we underestimate the strength of emotion. So, for example, like typically, um, if we look at careers and uh, the workplace, it's been um, like individualism, the great man, uh, the self-made man, the alpha leader has always been um, portrayed as the way to success. But um, we talked about the alpha myth um, and how that was a misunderstanding. Um, but really, and it's it's kind of like people are, be professional, pull yourself together, just, um, you know, like as if to forget your feelings. But if your feelings are misaligned with what you do, then everything um, that's where you become a lesser version of yourself. Um, and that's where sabotage happens. That's where office politics happens. Um, that's where relationships become bitter uh, and end up hostile. Um, it's always where there's a clash between how you feel and what you think, you have to change what you think. Your feelings are what tell you when you're on course or not. Um, what your feelings won't do um, is tell you where the problem is. So I think the problem is always in, in your thinking. And so you need to rebuild the models to align what you think with how you feel. But how you feel is dominant. Um, Carl, do you still have your hand up? Or? Can I ask something? Do you yeah. mean then um, what you're feeling isn't necessarily right or isn't, shouldn't necessarily? Because I thought you were saying that you should go with your, your feeling, but then it sounds like you're saying that that, that might dominate, which shouldn't necessarily need to, you don't necessarily, that shouldn't be your guiding. Um, how you feel? tells you when you're in alignment or out of alignment. So uh, uh, alignment is really measured by feeling. So when you're, but when you're out of alignment, your feeling tells you that you're out of alignment. And so something's wrong with the story that you're telling, which is your thinking. Um, and so if you look at, we're primarily, um, animals like if you look at the trying brain theory um the primitive um reptilian brain um operates all our autopilot the limbic brain limbic brain is all about kind of status in the pack is about um emotions um those kind of how we feel so when when everyone in the office goes out to drinks and doesn't invite us how we feel that's limbic um, and then the bit on the top is um, really the story that we're making what we um, what we think is true what we what we say so if you look at society society is run by thinking it's political theory it's ideology um, and yet so if you look so there's a basic conflict 
Um, and this is the, the core misalignment is why we have so much mental health problems is that we're biological animals and we're, which is like everything that's driving us is these feelings, these um, urges, these instincts. And yet we're supposed to live by this cognitive, by, by this cultural framework of what an ideology says is good or bad. Something that's fixed. Um, and so I think we're reaching the point where um, that is no longer works. Um, and so, so what the effect is that we feel we're wrong. We feel we're bad people. We feel we're unlovable um, because we're not succeeding by the dogma. But it's the dogma that is broken. Does that make sense? So if we say like in, in marriages, 55% of marriages fail, right? And we're determining failure is divorce. So individually, someone is to blame for that. Like as in the court of law says someone's to blame or because we feel we need to explain it, we need to say our ex was an asshole or oh, okay, I didn't show up as well as I should. So it becomes individual blame. The reality is that the system is broken. The beliefs, the framework that we're trying to fit into is what's broken. Um, and so we feel bad because we don't fit in to someone else's rules. Does that relate to what you, you say? Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm just sort of curious about, um, I understand the dogma of society, but I'm just thinking about your own thoughts and feelings and what it is that you're striving for. Yeah, um, so uh, do you have a specific example or a friend's example? <laughs> Um, not as yet, but you know, if you're kind of wanting something in a relationship and it's not quite going that way and you've got the feeling that it's not quite going that way, um, but how do you necessarily realign? I mean, how do you realign the thinking? I get, I get what you're saying about realigning the story that you're selling hmm. to a certain extent. But sometimes if it's something that you're aiming for, yeah, I don't know. If I'm yeah. So, so alignment is what you're really aiming for. Um, and so we, we set goals of, which is a bit like in golf, in golf, people are really going for the flag, but they first aim for the green. Um, and then you aim for the flag. So we have mental shortcuts as in. Um, so wanting to be in a relationship is a mental shortcut for wanting connection. What we really want is connection. What we really want is respect. What we really want is to be loved. Um, but we put other things in as proxies to that things that we, so people think marriage means love and unconditional love. And so people say they want a marriage. They really want unconditional love. Um, so it's really getting clear. What are you aligned with? 
and then it's about your judgments of the situation. Um, are they really accurate? Um, and so it's about being aligned with the other person to being able to, where's the shared bit? Can we relate? Do their goals help my goals? Do my goals help their goals? Is that concrete enough? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I think Veronique or oh, was Janice first? I can't remember. Veronique. Veronique, yeah, I thought so. Okay. So, um, so feelings are good because you're, um, you're feeling them and, and it gives you an indication of, you know, where you're at and if it's good, then it's you're kind of in alignment. What about emotions? So emotions, is it like reactions? Is it is it the same as feelings? Because you can be you can have emotions and they are they can be high, low, and different at different times. So they don't look very static, like the thoughts. The thoughts are also like that. Is, is the thoughts and the emotions similar? N not quite sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, right. Uh, there was something that you said that immediately I, I wanted to jump in and, and trying to clarify. Can you remember the very first thing that you said? Sorry. Um, I took some notes. Feelings. I think I was saying feelings is is where you, you feel at. So yeah, it gives you like a barometer. The feeling is a barometer how how you feel, but the emotion it feels to me a little different than the feeling. It's more yeah. like a reaction. Yeah, um, yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you. Um, I got a terrible memory, so when as soon as you made the second point, I've forgotten the first one. Um, okay, uh, right. So feelings you can't change. Feelings are the biological animal. You can't change them because um, they're like your blueprint is how you've got to be. Um, you can't change your blueprint. When someone tells you that you've got to be right-handed when you're left-handed, um, you can do left-handed, but you're never going to be as, you're never going to thrive as if you're natural. Um, you can't, if you're, if everything inside you screams that you want to be a pianist um, and you have to be an accountant, um, you're never going to feel like you can't break that feeling. There's something in you that has to be expressed. So a feeling is something that has to be expressed. The, um, so you can't change your feeling, but you can change the story. So what that tells me when someone feels really bad it tells me that the story that they're in, the context that they're in, is somewhere that's not letting them thrive. So you need to re you, you can't change the feelings because that's who you are, but you can change the context in which your feelings are. So the person that wants to be a pianist but is trapped by circumstance in feeling that they have to be a, an accountant, they have to find some outlet for the, whether it's pianist or whether it's the creativity or music or something like that, they have to connect to that. There's something about that that's dry, that's pulling them towards, it's inspiring them to who they want to be. Um, so feelings usually 
um, are really the engine that drives us in whatever direction we want to go in. And it's really about a bigger, a, a bigger version of you. It's, if we really get into the core of alignment, a core of alignment is your blueprint coming out as the flower and the plant and blooming as all you should be. Um, and the, and the only thing that stops each of us being the most beautiful flower um, is that we're trying to fit ourselves into something we don't belong in. We've got the wrong soil. We've got the wrong climate. Um, okay, so then your question about emotion, and I think that is um, a really perceptive point is that emotion is really a reaction to fear. So, okay, so look at the core. um, Some of the most, the biggest fears are survival, not being loved. Um, So um, survival can be, my fear is like, I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to die. Um, uh, uh, survival can be, um, I'm going to get, um, some terrible disease and die. Um, it can be, um, so, uh, relationship fear is I'm going to, no one's going to love me. Like this relationship is ended. No one else is going to love me. I'm going to be on my own forever. Um, I'll never find anyone who's right for me. I'm going to be alone forever. Um, so the emotion is in reaction to the story that you're telling. So there's some limitation in the story that you're telling, as in, so in the relationship example, the story is there's not enough eligible men, women. Um, there's not, there's no one else like this person after a breakup. There's no one that will love me because my story is a little bit different and I'm, um, I've got this barrier. Um, and therefore no one else will be able to surmount that barrier and love me. Does that make sense? I was thinking about positive emotions actually more. I mean, those, those ones, but because it's difficult to know the difference, whether it's a, when it were excitement, for instance, is that a feeling or is that an emotion? I would have thought that's emotion. So is it as bad as the negative one? In a way, I'm not saying it is because obviously it feels good but, uh, in that sense. Okay. So um, excitement can be – so there's, there's two kinds of excitement. There's excitement of like everything feels right. I'm on my path. I'm getting there. It's coming together. So there's that excitement. Um, there's the inspiration type of excitement, but then there's an excitement of, which can also happen in relationships. Like you meet someone that you never thought you could have met. Um, you start to have a relationship. You really, um, it was outside of the realms of what you believed. Um, and so you can get that level of excitement. Um, and, so there can be excitement, but there has no foundation in it. 
so you can get excited and a month for a month, two months, three months, and then it fall apart. So sometimes people have those kind of relationships straight up, straight down, um, because it doesn't have the foundation. So there's an excitement that it, yes, this is coming and it's, but it's supported by a foundation and there's excitement that is just the kind of lust and um, hope. Does that make sense? Yeah, so would you say that if it's a, if it's a good feeling uh, excitement or emotion like uh, fueled by inspiration, then it's a good one. Yeah. It's fueled by inspiration. It sounds good. Yeah. So um, generally, um, I don't think, like I think, I think emotions, right, naturally are positive unless you have something blocking them. And the thing that blocks them is fear. So I think emotions are like if you took away all fear, you'd just be feel love, happiness, joy, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the present, the degree and intensity of fear determines the emotion that you have. So even, um, and so Janos has talked about um, power versus force. Um, and the, the central idea is that there's a scale of emotions um, and there's a tipping point. Um, pride is just under and courage is just over. And it's really, he talks about being above that line means that you're in power, means that you're coming from inspiration, you're coming from strength. Um, and you're not trying to force people, whereas being below that line, it's about force and being the alpha who tells everyone who what to do and dominates people and um, gets their way from force. So um, I think if you feel that the more, the more positive emotion you feel, aside from that kind of hysteria of like something's happened that I'm not worthy of and um, I hope it lasts. Um, aside from that, positive emotion is just generally a sign of being more aligned. So, um, for me, anything, it, it's more the negative that you want to work out what the fear is and, and strip that fear away so that you get the feel, the positive feeling. If you know, if you're feeling positive, I think you know that you're aligned and until the next big thing comes that you're looking out for, that will kind of break that alignment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Thank you very much. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. Janos. Just a little bit to add for Veronique for that. It's literally how I can explain. It's, it's like pleasure. It's a kind of pain, but it's excitement together. It's a mixture. The only things what make difference that it's how you experience it. Think about that. The mother who giving a birth for a child, this is the most painful things in the life, but the most pleasurable as well in the same time, because they did something great as well. You know what makes different? Both of them make you cry. How you how you express it that your behavior actually it's your emotion. 
because you got your feelings, but the emotion is more your programs, which you choose, which you can choose if you got enough as the filter, which one I wanted to experience it now. Does it really this? Does that pain is sending me a signal to learn something from it? Is that something what is valuable for me to teach? Yes, great. Go for it. Enjoy it. Even if it's a stone rock, you know, I am enjoying. That's when Vishen Lakhiani came last year when I when came across to me. And he said, bullshit rules. He called it, uh, he, he call it like blurs. It's bullshit rules. So many things are stop us to be a greatest person who we can be. And he actually, with Elon Musk as well, he had a, uh, with so many great people, he had it a chat. And all of them, they say, the first thing is what you need to learn to not stop yourself when you got your inner intuitions. Your mind is there as the strategy to manifest it what you got. And he's saying you need to become unfuckable and to be forgive for yourself. Be okay just to failing. Be okay to having that feeling. It's a human being. It's just our human career giving you that. But you can choose how you express it that. And you can choose who you want to be become. You need to choose which uniform you want to wear it for that moment. And that's what he made me really blow my mind when he expressed it this way, like, Wow, you know, because force is always when it's in a danger, when it's a dangerous situation, you force everything. And that's okay, part of the life, it's a danger there, you need to force it. But when you can enlighten it, so you've got the power, you're actually empowering other people who giving that beauty for you. You don't even need to force it anymore, it's coming to you naturally, because that's part of the nature. Thank you. There is something to be said about forcing um, behavior, though, to me, in that um, when one pushes too hard or tries to make something conform to what one wishes, one is taking the other party or the other the other situation out of its own alignment and trying to bring it into yours. And to me, that is not a situation which engenders contentment, fulfillment, um, balance, uh, because it's unnatural. And to me, there's a lot of hard work involved in, in, in trying to control and bring something to be, to fulfill your desires rather than it being shared, a shared situation. And on, on another point, um, sometimes I think we forget what is our true essence and what brings us fulfillment and contentment. And if what we are trying to bring into our space does not align with our, our sense of self and enhance our sense of 
of who we are, then we should, um, I don't want to use this analogy, but, you know, it's like those creatures that something is wrong with them and they just, ah, you get rid of it. You remove it from your space. Uh, and so I think sometimes we hold on to things in the belief that it will come good, while at the same time we are detracting from ourselves. Because I think if we believe that we are good, we believe that what we want is good, we should be brave enough to recognize when somebody's out of alignment with, with us and do something about it, rather than trying to force it to make it work for us. Because it's not stable. It is not sustainable. It is going to break. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think, um, I think that's, that's the question is, is whether you're in alignment. Um, I wasn't quite sure uh, what you meant with the first part, um, as in when someone's out of alignment. I think when someone's out of alignment, um, it becomes, that's where you're on kind of different wavelengths and you're not able to change them. And, and, and it's about whether whether you can get in alignment with them. You can get in alignment, but... If the other person wants to try to be to 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 to, to work with you to 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 um, get into alignment, but yeah. if so, where you have that desire and the other person does not, and you are pushing and pulling and trying to coerce that person to become the the image of whatever it is that you of your desire, whatever you think that it is yeah. going to be. And even if they put the mask on and try to um let's say play to your to whatever it is that you want. Um as Carl says, dance to um what's the name of the group steps <laughs> right <laughs> for you. Um if you are really conscious and know yourself, you'll recognize that it's false because it, after a while it won't give you the pleasure that it ought to. When you are in full, full, fully in sync with someone and the desires and the wants and the, the, the um, yes, and the needs are in alignment, then I think you have a sense of um, being in sync which makes it less harder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th I think that's the point. Is, is the point is you can never the yeah. So like the north star has to be: will you align? Do you align? Um, and the problem is when people make it um, where they try to control the other person to force the alignment. Um, and I think that's where, like in last week, we showed showed the the graph of um, the rela the relationship of freedom and the relationship of control, and the line of what works in relationships is really where both are free to be themselves, um, as opposed to someone controlling or being controlled. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that, um, Carl. So, I mean, 
I'm trying to define the boundaries between control and negotiation and communication. So um, if let's say it's table manners, you know, and somebody thinks that it's okay to just let one rip, for example, and you actually don't like that, are you controlling them by letting them know? Or are you negotiating, hey, I would prefer if you was a really bad analogy. I'd prefer if you went to the toilet or something. Now, where does where does the, the line come between, oh, okay, is that what you would like? And that's what's going to work for harmony. And that's what makes you happy. And for me, it's just counting that on the other side of the coin, they'll say, oh, okay. And they would bring up something or vice versa. Like, oh, yeah, I'd do that to make you happy if it makes you happy, as long as it's not too encroaching. The other thing I wanted to say was as well, um, at one point in my life, I had a kind of hard line with wanting my partner to like the same music as me. And sorry, I, I've lost the bit where I linked it into the previous thread. But the point was, is their older brother listened to the same music as I did. And they knew one CD. And I said, do you know such and such? Really obscure electronic music producers. And they said, yes. And they named a track but they didn't actually really like them. <laughs> it was just, they knew from their brother's CD collection. So there can be um, inauthenticity in alignment, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I struggled uh, in, my, in one of my last previous or penultimate dynamics in trying to communicate and negotiate without it escalating or without it uh, being a problem. Um, but obviously, if you don't have those fundamentals in place, like good communication, respectful communication, then you, you, you can't do either. But sorry if that was a ramble and jumbled. My, my closing statement would be is, how do you define the lines between being controlling and removing somebody's freedom and communicating what would harm us. Okay. So it's predicated on both being honest and aware of what they want. So yes, sometimes people will pretend that they don't like steps or that they do like whatever um, because, and that's in the line of, trying to make a relationship work, trying to make people like you. Um, and the reality is people might not like you at first because they don't know you, but they might grow to like you or they might, they might like you at first and then not like you as they know you more. Um, and I think it's, it's like the, the title of the book it is the courage to be disliked. It's you, and, and I think this is where the dogma comes in that we all think that popularity is great. We all think that we have to, popularity means everyone loves you, but it equally means as many people hate you. Um, and so it's about having the confidence to share who you are, to be honest um to be authentic um so then because otherwise what you're going to do sooner or later people are going to know what you like and what you don't like um and that's just delaying 
a, rela- that's a relationship that's not going to work, but you're delaying it for longer. Um, okay, so in terms of you disagree on things, it's not the surface issue. It's like the, the couples that are always arguing about running out of toilet paper or the toothpaste or any of that stuff, um, it's not really about that. They're really arguing about something else. So it's about there's a, a value hierarchy. There's a hierarchy of things that are really important to you and things that are less important to you. And if, so for example, table manners is really important to you, then there's a reason why. Um, and in, in uncovering that and in the other person uncovering what their story about it is, if you have that communication, um, the awareness that it doesn't mean what you're telling it to mean can change. So you doesn't necessarily have to change the behavior. The um, Maybe they might moderate their behavior because of sensitivity to you, because they understand it's not just about that. Um, so every conflict like that is an entry point to deeper connection. Now, if you make it about the superficial, you just break every time. And that's what humans normally do. But if you, if that becomes an entry point into what does that really mean to you? Why? Why does that? Then that's going to take you on a greater depth to understanding each other. Understanding each other is how you get connection. So then it becomes about how important is connection to you on your value hierarchy and this thing does it transcend connection? Yeah, I, I can see where you, you can go deep with things, but surely something that's simply quite irritating the behaviour around the home, like, do you know what I mean? Some sort of messiness, let's say, for example. Can you really get that deep? We're trying to understand why they leave their underwear on the bathroom floor. I mean, how... Ugh. All right, take that example. What, what would you do then? Okay, so um, this really irritates you. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> okay, right. So um, I don't think it would irritate me that much. Um, so it's really why is it what... So the irritation is not the underwear on the bathroom floor. It's respect for my space. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's feeling disrespected. Mm. So it's your definition of what, what is you're taking that personally. Am I? Well, you're taking it personally or you're taking it as someone that does this is a bad person or, or something like that. No. <laughs> it's just gross. I don't, not uh, yeah. So, so it's, it's a judgment about the person based on the behavior. Well, is that not natural? Yeah, it's natural. But this is what I'm saying, that you, you, it's natural because this all comes from your mind of the stories that you've been told and the dogma and stuff. And you have to go, okay, let's break free of that. What, who am I? What do I really believe? Not what someone else has told me. 
not what it, it, one experience has led me to make these rules for life. Um, because that's really it. Because we're animals with limit with limited ability to take in everything around us. Because we're not able to take in everything around us, we make these mental shortcuts, and then people fall foul of these mental shortcuts, which is where we have conflict. Sandra, Sandra's got some wisdom to share. Not quite. I, it's interesting that Carl has brought up the underwear on the bathroom floor because generally it is women who complain, who are always complaining about having to pick up the men's underwear from the floor. So it's nice to have the male perspective on this because it's usually the other way around. And um, I think there are a number of things. As you, you, you pointed out, Rob, there's a lot to do with your own socialization. And um, for some people, it's disorder that's been created in an ordered space, which you like it to be in a particular way. And bathrooms, I find bathrooms and, and kitchens tend to be those deal-breaking spaces. Um, beds, not so much, but bathroom must be just kept just so and kitchens must be just looking either very pristine and everything in its order and so forth and if it if if you keep messing it up then that is that can be a deal breaker but to my mind what might seem to be a simple thing that you can sort of you know bite your lip and just <laughs> and you know say why don't you pick up your stuff if you compound it with other things other small things then that is when it starts to become not a minor thing and it explodes and then it becomes bigger than it because <laughs> it's really just a bit of underwear on the floor but it because it's an inv it, it as i said it's it's upsetting your sense of order there is the notion of disrespect um it's likely to be something that is repeated so it's something that you're going to it's a constant irritant um, among all, all, you know, other things could possibly be also involved, you know, um, and you don't know how deep seated these things are with people. For some people, they look at it and say, why are you fussing? It's just a little thing, uh, you know, it's just a bit of underwear on the floor, but it means a lot of other things it could mean a lot of things to you it could be that you were punished for underwear on the floor you know and it brings up those things in your head as well so i don't know yeah um yeah i've always had like a, a sensitivity because i know that i picked up on these were the things people complained about toilet seat up um underwear on the floor, toothpaste off. So I'm always quite like, um, just because I know it's, it's an irritation. I think you can't not say it because it will irritate you. Um, but I think you, um, really, so I think a lot of people overreact as in, um, what they'll do is they'll go, oh, no, I can't have anyone that leaves their underwear on the floor, anyone that doesn't leave the toilet seat up. And they're, so they narrow down their field to only those people. But what they're not recognising is the surface level they're agreeing, yeah. but the deeper things 
um, they may be way apart on. So I think it's really about sharing what it's about um, and um, then it's about sensitivity and it's about working out like how you deal with it and whether it doesn't irritate you anymore or, or the other person does it. Carl. Yeah. And I, I guess you, that could be true that it may not be actually that big of an issue per se. And there is the compounding effect, but what I've also, I mean, maybe this is just for me, I've realized is appreciation can transcend all that. If someone's really appreciated to you and expresses it, in my world anyway, at least, you can overlook quite a lot and be forgiving because they they already value who and what you are. And I don't know, I guess it's what goes around comes around. So you, in fact, you then in turn value who and what they are and the smaller things get overlooked. But when, when there's no appreciation or there's no, um, yeah, hmm then that's when the smaller things do matter because it all becomes, I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm going with it. It's almost like a value system of little things where you're trying to determine your value because they're not openly expressing it or sharing it or showing it or acknowledging it. So you kind of have to, I I don't know if anybody else agrees or if I'm just making this up, but it becomes like a chalking up of who's done what and who lasted the dishes and who, because there's not that open thank you so much. And, we all know ourselves that, you know, even in any kind of job, if your boss really is kind to you and likes you, you stay a bit later. You'll work, you'll do, you'll do whatever to get the project done. If they're being a dick to you, <laughs> it's like five o'clock on a Friday and that's it. And you'll get no more. They've got no extra. So I think, I think that kind of collates. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that's really the, the key point is that the arrowhead is the little thing because that's the thing that you can pick up on and talk about. It's harder to talk about, I don't feel appreciated. I don't feel respected. Um, and so that that's why people argue about the toilet seat up and people then assume um, that the toilet seat being up means he's not the one. He's not the one. So I need to go and find the one. Um, I think it was Ronique next. Yes, I mean, what, what, what I just felt like saying when I heard Carl's reaction was that actually those little things are great gifts because they are the things that will make you find out what it is that what um, Sandra was expressing that are, that are inside you. And when you have the perfect person in front of you, whatever that person is, whether it's a long-term partner or, or just a friend or whatever, you know, they're giving you that opportunity so to press the button. So, so they, they're gifts. I mean, I know we don't look at them. I certainly don't. I don't look at them when they come in front of me. But when I'm hearing, you know, neutrally, someone else's story, I, I see the beauty of that. So rather than come to an agreement that, you know, respect this, respect that, no, you don't want that. You, you, you want to be triggered and you want to express it, like Rob says, you express it because the other person is having an issue, which is maybe not comparable to yours, but just as as powerful and important. And that gives you both an opportunity to 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 explore and to release. Um, that's what I, I I thought of saying. Thank you. 
Um, Janos? Yeah, for me, it's two things what coming out from this story. It's one, it's like a compound effect, you know? It's always start with the small things. That's what building up. It's literally, you can see the behavior, the pattern behind of the person. It's like, if you could choose, you would like to have a million pounds today or one penny compound effect for 30 days. Most of the times, everybody choose the one million pounds. But in the end of the day, that's only for the short-term solutions. In the long term, will be always the one penny uh, compound effect that will bring you the future and you're risking, but you're, you're also, your reward will be much bigger over the time. And that's all about relation. You always risk it. Is there a risk to putting out for the person because you can win? And when you win, you actually win bigger part of it. But for me, what sometimes are trigger when the other person try to put too much boundaries and when putting too much too quick boundaries, it's literally make me feel like I'm in the box. It's like not accepting me who I am. And I think most of us looking for somebody who are accepting for who we are to let us grow and we will change eventually because that's our nature. If we want it to be work together, it will change, but don't force it because that will just make them run away. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I think it really relies on relies on knowing yourself, being in alignment in yourself, and then. Part of it is standing firm, but the other side is not. Um, the other side is not um, trying to to change who someone is. It's trying to understand and accept who someone is. Um, you've got. I think all all of us have. Like I use the plant analogy. We're all stuck, we're all seed, and sometimes you can't see the seed, and it's you need to see who it is. What what they need um and grow from that um okay carl yeah yeah that's i mean that is almost um getting close to something you might call unconditional love or a high level of compassion but i don't know i mean you haven't mentioned anything about reciprocity and um, I, I, I guess standards of acceptability. Um, it's really radical thinking. I, you know, it'd be something completely different to what I've done. Um, you know, because I've reached a point of unhappiness and then I just sort of let it linger on. I shouldn't have hoping that it might change or get better. But are, are you... Maybe I've understood you wrong. Are you insinuating that we we should really love somebody no matter what they do? <laughs> okay. Um, right. If, if I was going to um, give my ideal, it would be to love unconditionally, but that doesn't mean you have to be in a relationship with them. Because for you to feel good, 
you're going to feel better to love people like non-specifically um, than to hate them. And so I think we want to align with people. Um, and what that really means, what that, that means that not everyone's on our wavelength. We can accept and appreciate them for who they are and just recognize they're not in alignment with us. Does that make sense? Yeah, it just sounds like a very kind way of dumping somebody. I don't know. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, the people you work with, everyone that you come across, you oh, accept right. and appreciate as they are. Yeah. Um, and your goal is in finding that. So the two things you talked about, reciprocity and standards, are imposing an idea on someone. Really? Um Okay, reciprocity is a natural function of humans. Humans naturally reciprocate, unless they're psychopaths. They will naturally reciprocate. Um, and if you look at most advertising and political campaigns, they're based on the principle of reciprocity. I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you this, buy my stuff. Um, advertising, like marketing, does so much to create that reciprocity is one of the um, principles of Cialdini's influence. Um, standards. So the idea of who gets to decide the standards? Well, no, they're, 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 they're self-internalised things. Yes, but they're your standards. But if someone else doesn't have those, then you're imposing them on them. Well, maybe, yes, but also getting rid of them. But, I mean, is it, you're saying that that's not the right way to go about things? I'm saying that's that's the way everyone has done. Like, this is a high-value partner. This is what they should have. These are the rules. These are the things that you should have. And, and what, I'm, what we've talked about today is, is the idea that we are – Primitive animals, we've got drives, hunger, sex, um, thirst. These are the things that really control us. We've got feelings of wanting to be um, someone, wanting to matter, wanting to be seen, wanting to be understood, wanting to be loved, wanting to belong. These things, these outweigh everything. And yet we've got these um, social norms of everyone should clean their doorstep every week. Everyone should have their um, kitchen uh, super clean. Everyone, like these 1950s housewives um, things were dogma that were imposed on people by peer pressure, by social pressure, and by advertisers. Um, so who gets to decide the standards? What, the government? The Some advertisers trying to sell you something? Or some... Um, you know, like if you look at some of the certain cultures that are very male-dominated, you know, like you have a female genetic, uh, um, not genetic, female genital mutilation, <clears throat> you have slavery, you have um, all of those things come because someone makes the standards for someone else. If you look at the Nazis, it was their Aryan standards. 
So when you make standards, some it makes some people good, some people bad. So you have your personal yeah. standards, yeah. which determines your wavelength. But you, um, if someone doesn't truly hold those standards and doesn't value and appreciate those standards, they're on a different wavelength. Oh, yeah. No, we are. Um, I perhaps have relayed myself correctly. I really appreciate what you said, and I, I definitely take it on board. I think the standards that I'm talking about more, most, mostly are standards of violation. So, you know, slamming the phone down on somebody or, you know, having a screaming fit when, you know, I'm communicating calmly. These sort of things are not quite, you know, uh, adults ratio, for example. These are just basic human interactions. And I feel that those sort of standards, um, it's not even about being pretentious, like, you shouldn't do that. It's more about that in order for things to progress or to have some level of stability, you can't do things like that. You know, you can't, uh, can't go on like that. Okay. Um, so, so really what you're talking about is a difference in levels of emotional vol volatility. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Because some people, they're the, the, the hair trigger emotional. Um, like I'm, I don't have a lot of emotion, so I don't, I, my range is like that. Um, whereas some people are, um, and yeah, so, so that's, it's the way that people react. So, um, it's the level of, so there's the level of stable uh, neuroticism and the more people are on a neuroticism um, extent, the more they, they're going to react really emotionally. Mm -hmm. um, so that, I think that that is probably one of the uh, wavelength or it's about someone doesn't feel safe someone and which is probably not to do with you but probably to do with something that's happened before um which makes them react it is the intensity of fear that they're facing mm, true, um, and and this is where the feelings will override any kind of story like any kind of rationality because it's not irrational and that's it's really appreciating and that's an animal cornered that's exactly the analogy I was thinking of. When you have a, you know, a cat, it makes itself very big and, and, and spiky. Uh, whereas, you know, a, a more sort of um, a sort of lethal predator, let's say, goes very quiet and goes very still. Um, and that's based on, I suppose, the level of fear or, or capacity even. Um, yeah. Oh, by Alex. Um, yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I, I just wanted to clarify, and I'm glad we cleared that up, that it's not about standards. Oh, well, um, I don't know, you're, you're a Spaniard, therefore you should do this or whatever. Um, it's more a case of those levels. But that, I think, is a completely different context, isn't it? And, and, and a different thing. So I won't det det detract from what you're talking about or derail it. Um, I just wanted to clarify for my own thoughts. So thank you. Can I look at it from another side? 
Um, suppose the standards were mutually agreed or agreeable in the beginning. And um, so there is no disharmony in terms as far as these standards are concerned. But then uh, almost like a perverse way of reacting to things that are not going well, one then decides to shed some of those standards and actually adopt some of the um, <laughs> those behaviors that were never seen before. As is it as just as an irritant, or is it um, a way of getting you to uh, <laughs> react in such a way that it's like you are the um, the culprit, so to speak, I don't want to use the word culprit, I'm looking for the uh, another word. Um, so you are the one because of your behavior, then creating, seemingly creating the disharmony when it's your, you're reacting to something that is now different. Um, and so in a sense, you can be accused of being the one to... Um, I suppose, destroy the dolly house, so to speak. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I'm describing my husband and myself. Okay, <laughs> let me just say, okay, all right. Because uh, I think to get a rise out of me and knowing there are certain things that you just don't do, I don't like. And uh, I'm sorry. Yes, Carl, I'm a stickler for table manners. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been with me all my life. It's second nature. There are certain things you just don't do. <laughs> and you know this. And also, you were brought up like that too. So we're two of a kind. But yet still, you go out of your way to do everything that you do that will irritate. And when I say don't do it, do not do it. You, you make sure that you keep doing it. And many times in the public arena, which means, you know, I have to yeah, behave myself. But at the same time, you know that, you know, that picture of the lady with the steam coming out of her, right? It's coming out of my ears and my eyeballs and all the rest of it. And lips are sort of stretched across teeth in this rigid smile until thing, right? What do you think? I, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think one is integrity, is someone might say, and they can put on an act for a while, but I think the more common one is that, and I think this is, this is a real problem in marriages, is that, in the honeymoon period, so we're looking at the first three years of a relationship, there is this kind of, um, people put someone on the pedestal and they become like their North Star. They become like, ah, oh, I'm just going to be loving towards them. I'm going to do whatever they want. I'm going to make, um, make them so happy or whatever. And the nature of relationships is that you can't make people happy. You can't make it all perfect and you can't make it all work. Um, and I think because of the framework that we, we come in with this um, idealistic framework that is broken, um, people get frustrated 
Um, and people get frustrated over stuff that you've done, like whether it's leaving underwear on the, on the floor or whether it's you've said something or whatever. Um, it might not even be something that you've said, but something that they feel bad about. It can even be like people can get depressed or people can be fed up at work and then take it out and think it's their partner. That's um, um, whatever they, it's irrational. Um, but for whatever reason you've stopped, they've decided. And often it's, it's like this broken framework that people put you on the pedestal and then when you're on that pedestal and they don't feel that they're getting the respect they want, this is not a big one for men in relationships that they don't feel that they get the respect they want um, because the respect that they want is unrealistic. Um, and so they get frustrated. They don't know how to change it. They don't know how to have that like conversation or even aware that that's what's going on. Um, and so you stop being the one on the pedestal. You become the one that's the reason for their unhappiness. Um, and so they're resentful um, and it's a passive aggressive way of getting back at you because they blame you for what's not going right in their life. Um, and usually I, I think most relationships are broken many years before the event that they're actually divorced for or the, they end the relationship is usually like a betrayal. It's like cheating. It's, it's they've um, done something uh, that you can't forgive. They've um, slagged you off to your family members or something like that. There's some event that normally breaks it. Um, but the, the um, there were years leading up to them doing that act. Um, and they were resentful without telling you. Um, and a lot of it is because he came in with a broken framework and he never knew how to fix it or be honest about it. Uh, Veronique. So I, I was thinking um, when Carl was talking as well, I, I felt like um, I, I, I always think that there's this, a good thing out of everything, having an emotion, which is like not very nice, it could very well be good for the other person to learn something from Carl, for instance, about manners. And so I know that when we when we have such emotions, you know, we, we, we kind of look at ourselves, am I doing the right thing, you know, and we tend to blame each other, ourselves sometimes, but actually we're doing exactly the perfect thing because the other person is calling out for it. But if we prolong it and if it keeps reoccurring, like I was talking about friendships earlier, you know, with um, Julian, I think it was, like I'm, I'm in a situation where perpetually, you know, I'm having conflicts with friends. So then I'm looking at myself because it's a reoccurring thing. And um, and then I, I need to look, you know, what is it that's happening? So because it's reoccurring, but otherwise if things are like general, I think that there's always a good point for the other. To get angry and to get upset is very good for us as well. I just acknowledge that Rob is always saying, be fully in your emotions. That is beautiful to do that because we are living authentically, whether we are happy or we are unhappy. So why do we want to beat ourselves about having an emotion, which is in a kind of an alignment. So for instance, if you're not happy with these people, it's because there's something inside you which is in alignment and it's not it's not flowing with you. But if it's like very much a resistance, then, then I would kind of look at it. But 
even in that, you know, there's something okay about it. That's it, I think. <laughs> yeah. No, what you say reminds me of, um, there's a quote, I don't know who said it, but um, all communication is either uh, loving or a cry for help. Um, and I think often it's hard to, un- to li- hear the cries for help that people have because if you don't have the personal foundation, we're not able to ask for it for ourselves and so it just comes out as hostility and um anger instead of what it really is oh, but what, why because it, it would solve everything if you could, if we just take that step to be vulnerable what's the worst that can happen oh my and that that i'm not afraid i'm not afraid to be vulnerable I, I am a big old princess. I've <laughs> got a soft little heart. And I'll, I'll show it. I'll put it out there on my sleeve because I know that there are so much worse things in life that can be. So, and, and, and we can recover. Do you know what I mean? Even if we don't get the outcome we want or the person to respond the way we like, there's, there's tomorrow. There's, there's more opportunity. You know, life. Um, so, but if we could, if, if, you know, if I can even point to Sandra for a second, if even in her context that they could have just spoken, softened a little bit, just gave a little bit of, you know, um, you know, uh, it's, you know, or even in our own families that just speak a truth that we've never been able to say. Why is it so difficult? But then again, I'll just leave you with this thought that my trouble is, is that I go the other side as well, that I'm blunt and I say things people don't want to hear. So although I have a gift of being able to speak emotionally, I say stuff that makes people maybe uncomfortable because they can't say it and they're not used to those conversations, which, you know, is pretty shit because you you, you don't connect to people sometimes just through being very raw. But I like it, so that's what I mean. Thank you. Janos? What Carl said now, it's really triggered me. And let me say for that, Carl, it's conflict. It's actually the way to ask, let's sit down and communicate. And let's start negotiate. That's a kind of silent asking for the help. Because we as the humans, we are rubbish about asking help properly. We are not good at all, (laughs) including me including me. That's a human being. And that's okay. The question is, when you face it, this other person, understand it, that it's an issue behind underlying issues, or it's think that's okay. If that's okay, and with kind of attitude like that, then when you need to stop it, because the person is not ready. And maybe that's the time when you should maybe walk away, rather than hurting more further. That's what I learned because when I had to talk with one of my staff was doing stupid things and I asked him the questions and he thought he did it the best and he doesn't see any problem behind. So that's when I see, okay, there is no point to me talk further. It's just simply I have to dismiss him because that's a sexual harassment. If he don't see that's a problem, that's something it's already wrong inside of his head. I'm not saying that's not good or it's okay, but it's kind of principle what we need to put in a place. And there where we're communicating with the people, you need to see that way. 
think so. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, it's just getting to that point and whether the other person's uh, walls and boundaries will allow that. And um, what I've found in one particular context is that, uh, how can I say, it's almost like when people put up boundaries, what are they for? They're to keep other people away. <laughs> but some people psychologically seem to want you to actually um, approach them it's almost like a safeguard, but it's not really what they want. Does that make sense? So they, they set up like a, 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 a false mountain for you to climb because it's not, don't get me wrong. There are boundaries, which actually people do want and are legit. And of course, uh, you know, but they're, they're some emotional ones. So, yeah. Um, I think that for me, I still have a lot to learn and that to really work with someone, I mean, Rob would know perhaps we're working with, you know, troubled teenagers who, who will do exactly that thing that they want help they want to connect but they're setting up like these these safety barriers all the time um it's that i don't have i haven't yet built the skills and patience to get through those because it's i believe that it should be meeting equal and as adults not as troubled teenagers 50 50 meeting halfway uh, you know not having to scour the the tower walls in order to get some understanding. Well, I, th I think that those are the variables of whether the relationship is going to work. Some people have too much terror. Um, and I think however adult we look, everyone is a frightened little child inside. Um, and you have to, you have to see the child, frightened child. Um, and many people have found it's not safe. Um, you look at what we fear most. It's like public speaking. We fear humiliation, embarrassment. Um, then there are many people that would rather die um, looking like a man or looking um, strong than be vulnerable um so you can't change someone's fear but it, it's, it's like janos said earlier it's about invitations you give them an invitation to rise if it's the right time maybe um if it's not um so all you can do is make people feel safe um and part of someone who's really emotionally volatile is that's a test to see can you handle me can, can like can you see me at my worst um so it's about the level of it's about the level that you can tolerate the invitation you can make and their willingness to meet that are really the free variables. Yeah. I, I think in my given context that if I was happy before and felt that they had a lot of great qualities except for that temperament, I would. But if there are other things, it, it, is it worth the candle? And I think that's what I've kind of evaluated because 
I can appreciate fear and, um, you know, and, and boundaries and acting out certain ways. But um, thank you. Yeah, the, the, that, that sounds all just about right. Yeah. I think I have an answer. Not to you, Carl, to me. Um, an assertion of male dominance over the dominant female is the be all, is the be all and end all of that exercise that I was describing. I think that that was what that was about. Hmm. Because um, some of that is is stuff in patriarchy and and feeling that you have to be um, feeling not good enough and feeling you have to yeah. Even though they say otherwise, but yeah. really, it that is, um, and we've had this discussion: people trying to conform or trying to be um, what at heart they are not, and so when they are called on, or this circumstances call and their true nature to to come out or their true behaviour, then it is. It seems that it doesn't conform with what they um, consciously put out as being their views or how their behavioral pattern. Once tested, they go back to to the, the true self. And I think that is, I will admit to everybody here, I am a difficult cookie to handle, okay? I am not easy, but nonetheless, um, it's... Um, but at the same time, I am. This is the problem. So it's it's about understanding, once again, the triggers and understanding um, how to negotiate. And, and I think, yeah, I will also take responsibility for my impatience at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, which is because yeah, I don't suffer fools much. <laughs> I can be very, very patient, but at the same time, if I'm dealing with an adult who I think is on the same level of understanding as myself, I I, I can find it very, very difficult. So, yeah, I'm holding my hand up to that part of it, that I can be be impatient. But nonetheless, I think there is an issue of insecurity with respect to the whole patriarchal thing. And that also stems from upbringing where daddy was the big boss man who took care of everybody in his his domain, almost like king of, you know, wherever. And expecting that everybody will genuflect this and then you meet this tough, 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 stubborn, whatever female who just does not, not, not give in. I mean, it's hard. I will tell you it's hard. <laughs> I, I think um, Veronique put it really well uh, before that it's kind of, I can't remember the exact way, but the way I heard it was it's an invitation to go deeper. Um, all conflict is an invitation to go deeper and I yeah, I think it is. And sometimes we're, if you look at Joseph Campbell's, um, the hero's journey, it always starts with the call to adventure and almost always they refuse it at first. Um, so 
Yeah, I think I think the the troubles of human human humans is our humanity is our fear of being judged, our fear of being honest. Um, and every conflict is an opportunity to grow through that. But one has to have the maturity to be willing to accept um, and to uh, to accept and uh, not not just to accept from somebody else, but it should also come from you that you can see it because if you can't see it and you don't understand it, then it really still has little impact on you. Um, so it still has to come from within you. And if you don't want to have that self examination and that um, acceptance of your what's, you know, your weaknesses, etc., cetera, um, then you're still not getting anywhere. It's not about somebody pointing to you and say, you are this, you are weak, you are this, you are that, you are whatever. And, and that just builds resentment. But if a person can actually open up and, and acknowledge areas where they may need to improve or address certain issues that, you know, and it's not necessarily that it's something that's their fault. It's it could be something that's coming through from their childhood that has been suppressed and is coming through because it's been triggered by certain, you know, behaviors or certain tensions, what have you. Mm. And honestly, yeah, I was just going to say, like in the example you gave, it's someone who feels in the shadow of their dad. Yep. Um, yeah, it feels that they have to prove something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think when you're talking about wavelength, you're talking about denial, willingness, um, and someone who's in denial, you can't relate to to, to deal with it. Um, so it's the ability to, yeah, so you have to be on the, on the right wavelength in order to, to deal with a conflict. You can make the invitation, but they may not take it. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for tonight. Um, I've really enjoyed um, seeing the different perspectives and um, getting clearer on alignment. Um, so look forward to seeing you next week. Have a good week in between. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Have a good week.